for Wednesday, November 10th, it's the Early Word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson with a look at this morning's top news the day ahead and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, despite the economic downturn, New York City is still in the midst of a hotel building boom. Lisa Chow looks at one hotel developer who bet on a neighborhood that hasn't seen a new hotel in a long time. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. During a major speech in Indonesia, President Obama has urged all sides to look beyond suspicion and mistrust to improve relations between the U.S. and the Islamic world. Obama said the world's most populous Muslim country is a model for tolerance, noting that certain things have not changed since he was a child there. Those things that I learned to love about Indonesia, that spirit of tolerance that's written into your constitution, symbolized in mosques and churches and temples standing alongside each other, that spirit that's embodied in your people, that still lives on. Obama acknowledged that relations between the U.S. and the Islamic world are frayed, but says America is not and never will be at war with Islam. Another airline is reporting problems with the engines on some of its A380 super jumbo jets. Singapore Airlines says it's grounded three of the planes because of oil stains. They'll be fitted with new engines. Last week, Qantas Airways grounded its A380s after an engine burst during a flight. A media executive is the new leader of New York's public schools. Mayor Bloomberg announced that Kathy Black, chairwoman of Hearst Magazines, will replace Chancellor Joel Klein, who's been on the job for eight years. The mayor says he picked Black because of her experience in the corporate world. Kathy is a world-class manager, and she is also uniquely qualified to take us in the direction that everybody keeps talking about it. This whole election, everybody said was about one thing, jobs, jobs, jobs. Black says she has no illusion that the next three years will be easy. She says she'll seek innovative ways to help students. First, we need to form new partnerships with business, nonprofits, and universities to more closely align our curriculum to connect, to connect our kids to colleges and careers. Black says she has limited experience with unions. The United Federation of Teachers has been working without a contract since the end of October of last year. UFT President Michael Mulgrew said he looks forward to working with Black. But the chairman of the city council's education committee, Councilman Robert Jackson, is not impressed. Who is she? What experience does she have in public education? Did she go to public schools herself? Did her children go to public school? My answer to my understanding is no, no, no. Jackson also complained that he was informed of the announcement only minutes before it was made. Joel Klein is leaving at the beginning of next year to become a vice president at Rupert Murdoch's News Corp. Governor-elect Andrew Cuomo says he will not hike taxes in order to close New York's budget deficit. Speaking to reporters after a meeting with Governor Patterson, Cuomo says his goal is to lower taxes, but he wouldn't say when that might happen. Now, you have an immediate reality where you're looking at a deficit that, you know, you pick a number, but it's in the range of $9 billion. Can you close $9 billion and cut taxes? I don't think that's a realistic expectation. To deal with the deficit, Cuomo says he'd make cuts to health care and education instead of raising taxes. Meanwhile, Governor Patterson says he's leaving office with a clear conscience, despite spending most of his last year in office dealing with multiple ethics investigations.
9-11 first responders and recovery workers made sick by their work at Ground Zero have another week to decide if they want to join a legal settlement. The original deadline was midnight Monday, but a federal judge has extended it until November 16th after a large influx of people filing paperwork at the last minute. The proposed deal would pay out at least $625 million with awards based on a plaintiff's time at Ground Zero and his or her illness. At least 95 percent of plaintiffs must endorse the deal for it to go into effect. Funds set up by the German government to compensate victims of the Holocaust were the target of a scheme that siphoned off some $42 million in phony claims. That's according to the U.S. Justice Department, which has charged 17 Brooklyn residents with submitting thousands of fraudulent applications and taking part of the payouts for themselves. U.S. Attorney Preet Bharara described the types of false information contained in applications to the compensation fund. They allegedly contained, among other things, fake dates of birth to make people who were not even alive during World War II appear older, fake places of birth, fake passport photographs, fake identification documents, and also fabricated stories of persecution. Those charged include the executive director and five other employees of the Compensation Fund's New York office. That office handles more than 40 percent of the claims filed worldwide. Demonstrators blocked traffic in Lower Manhattan yesterday afternoon to protest Governor Patterson's veto of a bill that would have capped rents for people with AIDS. As WNYC's Cindy Rodriguez reports, the demonstration led to the arrest of State Senator Tom Duane and 17 others. The protesters sat in the street for about 10 minutes while taxis, buses, and delivery men on bikes waited to get by. Before being arrested, State Senator Tom Duane criticized Mayor Bloomberg and Governor Patterson for opposing the legislation that would have lowered rents for about 10,000 low-income people living with HIV-AIDS. We have proven that not impoverishing people and letting them be evicted saves money. So there is no excuse for this veto. Duane and advocates say people often end up in shelters because they can't afford the rents. Rent subsidies are already available to some low-income people with AIDS, but both Mayor Bloomberg and Governor Patterson say they can't afford additional subsidies. For WNYC, I'm Cindy Rodriguez. Taking a look at today's calendar, the president has departed Indonesia for South Korea, where the G20 summit begins Thursday. On the economic front, key reports today include new weekly unemployment claims a day early this week because of Veterans Day tomorrow, October import-export prices, and September trade. As Israel and the Obama administration continue their war of words over settlement expansion in East Jerusalem, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton announces the transfer of budget assistance funds to the Palestinian Authority. In New York, Mayor Bloomberg speaks tonight at the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America's fourth annual Heroes Gala, hosted by NBC News anchor Brian Williams. And U.S. Marshals will hold a media preview of property seized from Ponzi schemer Bernie Madoff before the auction of said property. I think this is where we get to see Bernie Madoff's velveteen slippers with his initials in gold thread. And if you like those slippers, the auction is Saturday. Just a few of the things happening this Wednesday. You may have noticed new hotels popping up around the city. The financial crisis slowed hotel construction in New York, but it didn't stop it. And over the past two years, the city has added more than 9,000 hotel rooms, about 10% of total supply. WNYC's Lisa Chow wanted to know more 
And her story begins in a neighborhood that hasn't seen a new hotel in many years, and a developer who decided to take a chance. Jeff Lamb bet on Harlem in 2007. And starting this week, he's going to see whether that bet pays off. So everyone's just putting the final touches to the lobby right now. Whether travelers will pay $300 a night to stay here, the first brand-name hotel to open in Harlem in decades. The lobby is more of an industrial-type look with exposed ceilings, with exposed ductwork. Lamb walks through the lobby of his new Aloft Hotel, opening at the corner of 124th Street and Frederick Douglass Boulevard. Harlem was gentrifying tremendously, and we wanted to be part of that gentrification. Lamb is one of the many developers in New York City who secured financing for new hotels before banks began to crumble and before the price of a room dropped 30 percent. This 28-year-old hotel developer tried to stay optimistic. When we were building this, I kind of kept that in my mind, saying that, you know, 2011, 2012 will be when the market returns. And so far, Lamb's projections don't appear to be too far off. Room prices in New York City have climbed more than 10 percent from last year's lows. Occupancy rates are also up, and it's happening even as more hotels come onto the market. Fifteen hotels have opened in Manhattan alone so far this year, competing for customers who are feeling more frugal. There is so much demand that comes to this city. Bradley Burwell is with the commercial real estate firm C.B. Richard Ellis. He says before the financial crisis, so many people came to Manhattan willing to pay top dollar for a room that hotels had to turn customers away, forcing them to find lodging in the outer boroughs and New Jersey. Now, because of lower rates, those customers are coming back. On top of that, business and convention travel are up from last year, according to Bjorn Hansen, a professor at NYU. Hansen says this is all good for New York hotels, which suffered mightily last year. And more than half of the hotels in New York in 2009 didn't generate sufficient cash flow to meet their debt service obligations. Is that basically saying that half of the hotels in 2009 were not breaking even? That's right. To find out more about last year's devastation and this year's recovery, I reach out to someone who has seen this cycle before, Jeff Lamb's father, John. He also happens to be the city's biggest hotel developer. John Lamb emigrated from Hong Kong and works in Chinatown on the sixth floor of what used to be a garment factory. We are the only one still making some money and still uh, hanging there. Because, Lamb says, his hotels are the no-frills kind. No meeting space, no swimming pool, no big restaurant. So he's able to keep his costs down. He also beefed up his sales and marketing team to chase new segments of travelers. And when well-known national banks stopped lending, he relied on Chinese-American banks, which continued to lend to him. All the decision makers. They're really good friend of mine. They really know our business, and they feel comfortable with it. Tapping into your base is also Ian Reisner's plan. I'm just about to go over to a meeting at the Edison Hotel. The banker-turned-developer is trying to raise money, mostly from gay investors, to build a gay-friendly hotel on the far west side of Midtown. He's converting what used to be a homeless shelter into what he calls the first gay urban resort. He expects to open next year. Gay people in general... They love to be creative and turn crap real estate into something special, maybe because they don't have kids. And the fact that many don't have kids means they have more disposable income to spend on travel. We're in a city with no gay hotels and 7 million people coming here a year, and I have to fill 125 moderately priced boutique hotel rooms at roughly $250 a night. I think that's a no-brainer. Unlike John Lamb, Reisner's hotel will be filled with amenities. He's planning a lap pool, a gym, a nightclub... Lucky for him, he's entering the market when the price of real estate has fallen 
and the price of hotel rooms is climbing again. For WNYC, I'm Lisa Chow. To see a map of where all the hotels are opening in Manhattan, go to WNYC.org. You're hearing St. James Infirmary, the American folk blues made famous by Louis Armstrong in 1928. This version is by Anat Cohen, a clarinetist from Tel Aviv. Once a principal jazz instrument, the clarinet has been out of style for over half a century, but that might be changing. Cohen is one of the young artists bringing that characteristic clarinet wail back into the jazz fold. You can catch Anat Cohen and her quartet tonight at Littlefield in Gowanus, Brooklyn. And you can download her smoking 10-minute live recording of this song on our culture page. Just click culture at wnyc.org. You can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. It's all on our website, wnyc.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM820. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson. Have a great Wednesday.